0: 2 Kings uh, chapter 22 <clears throat> um, Today is the last Sunday in 2018 um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, this last year went by really fast But if I was being honest with you, and, and that's what I'm going to do I'm, I'm going to be honest with you today I'm really glad that it did. Um, 2018 was a really tough year for me as a pastor and as a believer. If you've been around the church in the last year, year and a half, and you you know what I'm talking about, at least if you've had your head anywhere other than in the sand. You know what I'm talking about, and it was tough, and I am so ready for a new year, um, because a new year seems to always bring about a renewal, or it, it kind of lends itself to a time of renewal, right? I mean... You, you kind of look back at the year and you look at the blessings. And by, by, don't get me wrong, God has blessed us in this last year. It's not like everything has been bad. God has blessed us. It's just with the things that's went on. I, I'm just I'm ready for a new year. I'm ready for a fresh start because there's the hope that 2019 can be better than 2018. Um, and, and and I hope and pray that it is. So I'm ready for a fresh start and, and a fresh. Uh, a fresh year and, and kind of um, what, what is it they say? You get to wipe the slate clean and just kind of start over, and, uh, and I mean we we do that in various ways. When the new year hits, we have New Year's resolutions. We'll have. Uh, gyms that'll be plumb full of people for the next at least two three weeks maybe even two months but you know we just kind of get that clean slate and it's the year you know we're going to lose weight or it's the year we're going to get closer to the Lord it's the year I'm going to become a better husband or father and all those different types of things so so yes I'm ready for that but I'll tell you what I'm, I'm ready for more than anything and what I want more than anything is not a fresh start I want a fresh movement of God in my life. That's what I want. Um, Not just as a pastor, but as a a personal follower of Christ, as a believer in Christ. And as a pastor, I want that for our church. I want that for every person in this building to have a a fresh movement of God in their life. Um, and, And so next week we're going to start a series on renewal or a movement a fresh movement of God in our life and and I'm looking forward to that but before we get to that I want to point out some things that are essential if we're going to have a fresh movement of God in our life if we're going to let God move if there's going to be a movement in our lives, then there's some, some things that have to happen in order to prepare us for that renewal. Um, and, and you kind of see this and kind of relate this. If you want to use the word revival, you, you can use the word revival in that. Um, but, you know, revivals are uh, not just about a meeting, right? You can have meetings without having revival. And, and what, what, a, what I fear and, and I always have as a pastor when it comes to revivals Themselves within the church is we don't spend a lot of time preparing for revival. We just kind of put an event on the calendar and we invite a speaker to come and preach and the musicians to come and sing, but we really don't prepare for it. We just kind of we just kind of show up and then when God moves, He moves, and when He doesn't, he, he He doesn't. And 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 we're kind of like, why why didn't He move? And it's it's that we didn't prepare. I mean, a, a farmer doesn't just you know, cast seed out into a field. If he wants to be a good farmer, he has to prepare his field for the seed, right? And so when it comes to having a fresh renewal or revival, if you will, we need to prepare ourselves for that. And there's a couple things that have to happen in order for us to be uh, prepared to have that fresh movement of God. And in the text that we're going to read in 2 Kings chapter 22, um, there are two things, and that's all we're going to talk about this morning, that have to happen or have to be there. We have to understand if, if we're going to have a fresh uh, renewal from God. So if you have your Bibles open in 2 Kings chapter 22, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 22, this is the story of Josiah the king, and we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to read down through verse 13. The word of God says, Now when it came to pass in the 18th year of King of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaleah, the son of Meshelam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, Which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house, to the carpenters and the builders and the masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave, gave it to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bring, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the high priest has given me a book. Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the word of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Achaim the son of Shaphan, Akbar the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah a servant of the king. Don't you love the the names? Um, The king saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me. For the people and all of Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and now as we begin to look at this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase this morning, that the words would be shared would be yours and not mine, and they will find the place you have for them in the hearts and the lives of your people this morning, and that we would respond how you lead us to respond As our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So to give you a little bit of background, and some of you may know the background, some of you may not, Josiah was a young boy when his father, uh, who was an adulterous king, his name was Ammon, was assassinated, and, and Josiah was only eight years old when he Technically, become the king, uh, but instead of just inheriting the king, uh, the kingdom Josiah was raised by Hilkiah the high priest until he was ready to really take control of the nation and become the, the actual king. During, during this time uh, of of what has been going on, the the nation of Israel had content, or actually of Judah. Uh, Because by this time, there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Uh, But the nation of Judah continued to decline spiritually. Um, Northern Israel had already been carried off into captivity by the Assyrians. uh, And God had just previously, if you look back in chapter 17... Uh, told uh, Judah that the same thing was going to happen to them if they didn't repent of the things that were going on in, in their culture and said, uh, yet the king and the people of Judah just continued to ignore God's war- warning and went on living basically the way the people in Noah's day did. They just lived evil lives. The, the, there was just evil everywhere in their culture, um, and and led by their king. Josiah's father was an adulterous and and idolatrous king, okay? And so he led the the nation into all kinds of problems. But at age 26, King Josiah took the reins. Now, he had been raised by Hilkiah, the high priest, and so Josiah was actually a godly man, okay? The problem was he was a godly man, but didn't know God's Word, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit this morning because that's going to be pivotal to having a fresh movement of God. Now, he was a godly man, but he didn't know God's Word, but he knew something needed to happen, and what he knew, based off being raised by Hilkiah the high priest, that there was a temple that was in their nation that had fallen into complete dis- disarray. I mean, things, it was broken, it was worn down, um, it was dilapidated. It was old. And so the first thing, basically, that King Josiah decided to do was to raise money from the people to rebuild this temple, to make it nice again. And, and that's what we just read about. He commanded the people to deliver money to the temple. The temple uh, workers that were in there collected it, and then they passed it out to the workers. And I I always like that story. Um, They didn't even have to have an accounting method of that. Did you notice that? Make no account of it, for they deal faithfully. Wouldn't it be nice um, if we were to have someone build something for us where you could just say, here's the money, I trust you, okay? The, the people that were doing this were honorable people. They were, they were workers in the temple. They were carpenters, masons. They were making it nice again. Well, in the process of rebuilding and redoing or restructuring, uh, if you will, this temple, They found the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the law. Basically, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, They found the Pentateuch there. And when they did, they delivered it to Hilkiah, the high priest. So that's significant. We're going to talk about that too. They delivered it to Hilkiah, the high priest. He commanded that it be taken to King Josiah. It was read to King Josiah. King Josiah heard it. And the Bible says that his response was... He tore his robes. He tore his robes and was upset and said, Go inquire. And if you read a little bit further, you'll find that he he sent these people to talk to a prophetess. And this prophetess told them that because Josiah was a godly man and because of his response to hearing the word of God, that God was going to withhold all of that destruction that was promised on them for their idolatrous and evil ways from him during his kingdom, during his time on this earth, and so Josiah was uh, was a man who led a nation into a renewal with God or a a, a revival with God, and, and there before we get it, and this is the this is the story we're going to base all of this series on is the story of King Josiah. But there are two things that happened before they were able to have the actual renewal that comes based off Josiah's response to hearing the Word of God. And that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning. The first thing that had to happen first was the the conditions for renewal needed to be present, but they also had to be acknowledged. Here's what I mean by that. The nation of Judah, the people of Judah, had fallen into a culture of sin and evilness. And you could just look around. It was led by the king before Josiah, his father. He was an adulterous king. If you go back and you read the previous chapters, it'll tell you some of the things that this culture was involved in. But basically, they lived similar to the day that people lived in the days of Noah. They lived, however... They wanted to. And, and I want you to know there's something significant in that. For renewal to take place, there has to be a need for renewal, right? If, if you are close to God, living on the mountaintop with God, and you're, you're right there walking hand in hand with him, why do you need renewal when you're already right there by him, right? We need renewal when we get away from God right when we're not where we need to be with God when we are <coughs> excuse me walking away from the direction we need to be walking with or we've fallen back into the things that we used to do and and that's what the nation of Israel here Judah did now that's not uncommon in the old testament the nation of Israel does that all the time with God they would constantly walk close to God do the right thing okay be renewed have this fresh movement of God God do something great And then over time, they'd fall back into their old ways. And then there'd be a renewal, and they'd get close to God. And then after some time, (laughs) they'd kind of go back. Sound familiar? I don't know about you, but that's very similar to my walk with Christ. That, that there are times when I'm close to him and I'm, I'm walking close to him and I'm, I'm living on that what we call the mountaintop experience with God and, and I feel his presence, I know he's moving, and, and I'm just excited in and, and my walk with Christ and all that. And then there are other times where I'm like, God, where are you? Now, it's not that he's not there. It's just that I'm not hearing him. And when I, I can tell you when I'm not hearing him, it's not because of him. It's because of me. God doesn't move. I move. Look, a friend of mine, a pastor of mine, he, he shares this story that uh, he, his wife, he calls her Baby Doll and has called her Baby Doll since he met her. And um, that's just what he called her. That's, that's Baby Doll. That's my Baby Doll. That's my Baby Doll. And one day they were driving down the road in his old pickup truck that he had since they started dating. And they're driving down and and she all of a sudden comes and says why do you remember when we were first together that i used to sit in the middle right beside you in this truck how do i end up way over here and his response i haven't moved is he wrong no, he's still driving the truck. He hasn't moved, but she moved. That's the way it is with us and God. God doesn't move. We're the ones that move. We're the ones that move away from God. We're the ones that go our own way and do our own thing, and that's what the nation of Judah had done. And, but when we do that, that is when the conditions are there for renewal because we need to be brought back close to him. But not only do those conditions have to be present, you have to actually acknowledge that they're present. You see, a lot of times we are walking away from God or we're not close to the Lord like we know we should be, but we're not willing to admit that. We're not willing to admit and say, whoa, how do I get way over here? And God's saying, well, I haven't moved. Come back over here. You see, we have to have those conditions, which I think it's, pretty evident that those conditions are there for most of us. I I can't say all of us in this room because I don't know where you are in your personal walk with Christ, but I know for me personally, not only are the conditions there, I, I see that, but I have to acknowledge that those conditions are there. I have to acknowledge that I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. If I'm not willing to acknowledge that I'm not where I need to be with the Lord, how in the world am I going to be brought closer to Him because I don't see a need for it? I don't see a need for renewal because I'm where I need to be, right? But when I come to the point of understanding, no, I'm not where I need to be, then God can move in my life. So the first thing that has to happen is we have to have the conditions Which means we have to have walked away or not be where we need to be, but not only do we have to that need to be the case, we have to acknowledge that that's the case. You notice how sometimes it's a lot easier for us to acknowledge that for other people than we are to acknowledge it for ourselves. Sometimes it's easier to look and say, "Man, so and so needs renewal," particularly when they speak to us wrong or they do something to us that hurt us. Or it's a lot easier for us to look at them and say, "Man, they—they're away from God. They're not where they need to be. They need to be brought back." It's a lot easier to do that than for me to look at it and say, "Wait a minute, where am I in all of this? Where where am I?" And, and then when I see the need, I acknowledge the need. Okay, so that's the first thing that has to happen. Is the conditions have to be present, and then they have to be acknowledge. Now, I ran across this verse of Scripture, and I've read it before, but I want to read it again. Here's a verse of Scripture, I think, that should open all of our eyes to an understanding that at least partially, we are all in a condition of need for renewal. And it's found in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah chapter 5. Actually, he he's, uh, he's, he's sharing this in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30. He says this, An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power. Now that's a problem, by the way. Pastors prophesying falsely is bad. (laughs) Can we agree on that? Okay. Can we also agree that it doesn't take long... To watch tv or listen on the radio and hear prophets prophesying falsely can, can we agree to that in our culture okay but and then you've got priests ruling in their own power i can tell you as a pastor i've been guilty of that and that's wrong when a pastor runs by his own powers to saying, god i can't do this you got to do this It's not good for the church. It's not good for that individual, okay? But but the key that I want you to hear is the next part of this verse. And my people love to have it so. So what has happened that's astonishing in the land is there's prophets prophesying falsely and there's priests doing it in their own power. But what makes it bad is that the people love that. I fear, in, in, not just in our church, but in our culture, is that we have churches full of people, and our church, I don't believe, is that much different, who buy into false teachings and people who do things in their own power. L- let, let me say it this way, and this is not a self-serving moment, by the way. I'm just going to be honest. I told you I was going to be honest. You don't have to raise your hand But those of you who knew What was going on in our church For the last year and a half Some of the things that were going on How many of you prayed for me For that purpose I know there were some of you that did That I I know But that's what I'm saying praying that I wouldn't try to handle that in my own power but see sometimes we 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 just don't stop and think that that man of God needs God's power to do what he's doing or he can't do it and the people of that day they loved to hear people preach falsely and they didn't, they loved to see people doing things in their own power. They really didn't care if God was being faithfully preached and they really didn't even care if God's man was doing it as in their own power. They kind of liked it that way. And, and so when you read that and you see the things that were going on, then I don't think we're a whole lot different in all of that. We, we are a lot very similar to that, and so so we have to have these conditions, and they have to be. We have to understand they're there. We have to be willing to admit that, and then acknowledge that, and then the second thing, and the last thing this morning, if we're going to have a fresh movement of God in our life, is we have to rediscover the Word of God. See, that's what happened. You go back, go back, and look at it, starting in in verse eight. Look look at what it says. It says then Hilkiah. Wait wait a minute, let's back up a little bit further. Yeah, starting in verse 8. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan to, to read it. Okay? I've preached this a little bit before. I've preached something similar to this before. And my focus on this was what happens when Josiah hears the word. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. But what really stuck out to me, matter of fact, I don't even have notes on it, because it just this morning. You know what really stuck out to me? The first person that that found the, the book was the high priest. You know what that means? He didn't have it. That's what that means. The high priest, the one in charge of all the temple workers and of all the worship and of all the sacrifices and everything that's supposed to take place in that temple, didn't have the instruction book to do it. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't a godly man. What I'm saying is that over time, the the word or the law of God had become so unimportant that it had lost its way even into the the temple, okay? And the first person that found it was the high priest when they were rebuilding it. That scares me to death as a pastor. Because if I don't have the word, I can't give you the word. If I don't, if I lose it, guess who else loses it? You say, Brother Dwayne, that's a little bit too much power for you. You know, we're supposed to have the Bible and read it for ourselves. No, no, listen. Even in the New Testament, the church, according to Ephesians chapter 4, were given men to be apostles prophets, preachers, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You're not supposed to figure this out on your own. That's what a pastor is supposed to help you with. A pastor, a preacher, a teacher is supposed to help equip you to go do the ministry God has called you to do. You're not supposed to have to figure out all the now, I'm not saying God can't speak to you and do things on your own. I'm just telling you, as a believer, that, that's what he's given the church. these. He even calls them gifts. That They're gifts to the church to help the people walk the, and do what God wants them to walk and do. He never intended for you to have to do it all on your own. And, and it scares me that sometimes, as a pastor, I'm leaving you to do it yourself. Or that I would leave you to do that yourself. Let me say it that way. That scares me. But to be honest with you, there's a lot of pastors out there that don't care about that. They don't, they don't care that, that when they step in the pulpit that they're giving people a word that's supposed to be coming from God to equip them, to help them in their ministry task. And there's a lot of people that don't care if the word they get from the pulpit is there to help equip them and prepare them for the task. As long as they don't step on my feet too much, they don't break my toes off too much, or they don't say anything that offends me, I'm just pretty happy. But it scares me that, that here in this story, is something I've never seen before, never really thought about before. But the one responsible for the word didn't have it. And you wonder why the nation had fallen so far away from God. Because those responsible for teaching the nation, the people, the word of God, didn't have it to teach. And I want you to know something right now, church. Don't ever call a pastor that doesn't have a high regard for the Bible. Because you can look around and see churches all over the place that have a low regard for the scriptures. And guess what comes from that? A nation that is evil. How? Because evil is dark. Jesus is light. Jesus' light is found in the word. And if the word doesn't exist, darkness takes over. And it shouldn't take us long. People are like, I had a pastor tell this one time, most most sobering statement, or one of the most sobering statements I've ever heard. He said, you know, the the scripture says that Jesus is the light, but he he tells us that we are the light of the world. It's not our light, though. It's Jesus' light in us. But he says, you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Light is supposed to illuminate darkness. If the world's dark, whose fault is that? Salt is a preserver keep things from getting rotten in that day so if the world is rotten whose fault is that that's a pretty sobering statement right to know that we're salt and light and the world around us is completely dark and evil how does that where does that come from it comes from when we lose the word of god the light isn't that we say this pledge at vbs every year the pledge to the bible Pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, and will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and I will hide its words in my heart that I may not sin against God. Do you ever notice that is pretty much word for word verbatim out of Psalm 119? The scripture, the word of God, is a lamp unto our feet. It's light. And, and we've got churches all around, and you can just look around at the world. It's just becoming dark and dark and dark and darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. It's because our culture rejects the Word of God, and you know what's happening now? Churches are beginning to reject the Word of God. Well, if we really preach the Word of God, then people won't come. Right? That's dangerous. That's what happened to this nation in Judah. They lost the word of God, evilness took over, and God said, Wait a minute, you're my people. And because evilness is in your life, I'm going to judge you. And that's why Josiah tore his robes when he heard it. Because he had never heard it before. Raised by a godly man, but didn't know the word of God. So the first person that has to rediscover the word of God for renewal to take place is, is me. Pray for me in that, please. Because I don't ever want to stand up here without the Word of God. And I wouldn't want anybody else to stand up here without the power of the Word of God. But the second people that have to rediscover it is you. See, I can stand up here all day and tell you about the beauty of God's Word and what it does and what it's there for. But if you don't really understand its beauty and its power, it won't do anything for you. So how, how, how much understanding do we have of what the Word of God really is? How much understanding of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 do we have? For all scriptures inspired by God, literally God-breathed, and it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for instruction, for reproof, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. How, how, how much do we under really see that's how we know we need to rediscover it? have a smartphone, you can do this on your own time, but I would challenge you, if you have an iPhone, you can do this. I would challenge you to do it. Go into your settings, look for a line that says screen time, and look at how much time you've spent on various things on your phone. You can do it by day or by seven days. And look at it. And see how much time you've spent on social media. Look at how much time you've spent playing games. Look at how much time you've spent on other apps. And look at it. And then compare it to the amount of time you've spent in the Word of God. I forgot that existed on my phone. I just turned it on a couple days ago. Literally two days ago. I checked it this morning. I'm going to tell you what I saw. It was heartbreaking for me. Who turned it on for the very purpose, knowing I was about to preach what I was going to preach. And yet, when I turned it on, let me just tell you, the amount of time that I spent in the Word of God compared to the amount of time I've spent on that phone doing other things was like this. It wasn't even comparable. Now, don't take this as, oh, he's bashing our phones again, he's bashing our social media. No, I'm wanting you to understand that that really is a telltale sign of whether or not we truly understand what the Word of God is, and what it does for us. See, no amount of social media is going to bring a renewal with God in your life. No amount of playing games is going to bring a renewal in your life. No amount of watching TV, and we can fill in the blank. Maybe you don't have social media. No amount of reading newspapers. No amount of listening to music. No amount, that's not going to bring a renewal. What brings renewal? The Word. How do I know? Listen to this verse real quick, and I'm about done. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give an account. Only the word of God can transform our hearts, which is what need to be renewed. That's what we need. We need a renewal, a movement of God in our life, and it's going to come through the Word. And so I'm not bashing those other things. I'm just trying to get you to understand that we spend so much time on things that won't bring renewal and very little time in what will bring renewal, and then we wonder why we don't get renewal. I I ran across this statement. It's the last thing I'm going to say this morning. I ran across this statement this morning. It was on social media. (laughs) But I think this actually might have been God's... I think I might have been on there for a reason this morning because I saw this statement after what God had been laying on my heart for the week. Here's what it said. Don't say God is being silent when your Bible is closed. If you want God to speak to you, if you want a renewal like I do, this is where it's going to start. Now, starting next week, we're going to look at what happens when you get into this word. But those are the two things that have to happen. If you and I if you want a renewal like I know I want one, I've got to first of all acknowledge that There's conditions in my life that show me I need a renewal, and then I need to rediscover this and what it means to me, what it does for me, and what it will do for me when I dig into it and God speaks to me through it.